Welcome to the Catastrophic Comeback Podcast with American injury lawyer Clark Speaks, helping you find hope, purpose, and joy after a catastrophic injury. So, so that makes that reminds me. So, when I was, you know, when my kids are growing up, I would always just bring them wherever. Like, in other words, the the thing was, if you're going to invite me to something, you know, my kids are going to be with me. So. So if that's cool with you, then it's cool with me. So they've been to, you know, any kind of party that I go to or whatever, or for for a reception or, and so, and I've taken them everywhere. So, so we went to, uh, I had to go to Cleveland for work. I don't know, 10 years ago. And so while I was there, I was like, okay, let's see a show. They have cool shows. They have good shows. They get good. And, um, and then there was a comedian, a couple of comedians uh, performing. And I tried to do some research and figure out, and, and there was no like, vulgarity warnings or anything it was it was uh right when sebastian uh yes was uh was (laughs) started you know and i'm like okay well you know and i think i got a 14 a 15 and a nine-year-old that's about right and so we go as uh maybe it was five years ago and so we go uh like maybe they were a little younger but anyway we go to to this show and and it was like a eight seven o'clock eight o'clock show and then there's another one at like nine or ten yeah and um I'm like, this is going to be, good. and the first guy comes out and he's great. He's a guy that, that you would probably recognize. I can't remember his name. Great, clean. It was good. And then, uh, Sebastian, who's a funny, funny guy, you know, so he's great. Funny. And, um, but it was not you know, for the kids, but he's hilarious. Uh-huh. What? He's not for the kids, but he's hilarious. Yes. That's <laughs> so been the whole time. Like, you know, and I, and I'm, when I'm walking in, I'm thinking, is this the right? Cause there's not another kid in the whole place, you yeah. know? And so, so anyway, so it was fun. It was funny. He's a talented guy. Not, nothing at all. I mean, right. what, you know, but, but, but it's so nice to have an option for kids. I mean, they love funny stuff. You know, parents yeah. want to be involved in their, with their kids. I, my, you know, I want my kids with me every minute they can be with me. And, t- you know, and so, so I think that's a, a wonderful thing that you're, that you're building there. And I can see Thank the you. effort that you're putting into not just participating in it, but building this as a, as a thing in Charlotte and maybe the world. I'm trying. Thank you. And, and that means a lot that you said that. It, it's My name is synonymous with that brand. And I wear that very proudly. Um, because I, you know, it, there used to be, and I don't know if it still is, but there were people like, oh, I don't think clean comedy is funny. And I was like, nothing could be further from the truth. And, and clean is more profitable. If you think about over the years, uh, clean comedians, again, you can go into more spaces and uh, you're, you're more, um, I lost the word I was going to say, but you're more appealing to a, a lot of audiences. And that's the thing I really like too. I love that the people who I get to call, I don't like to say fans, but friends, range the ages. I have you know, people who are young who like me, I like people who are older. Again, I play well in all time zones. So, you know, you get people from different ethnicities. And I love that. It was so funny. I had uh, the amazing opportunity uh, a couple of years ago to open for Theo Vaughn at Belk Theater in Charlotte, which was insanely crazy. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so good. And it was funny. So when I was going back to get in my car after the show, and I'm, you know, getting ready to pull off and I see these people like, oh my God, it's you. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> and it's just, it felt weird. And I was like, okay, hi, <laughs> you know, but 
it's it's nice. So yeah, I mean, this this it's it's a good ride. Well, so since I've uh, become familiar with you in your career, I have sort of been more open and more observant of clean comedy as the thing, yeah. and I see, um, you know, Nate uh, Margazzi. Yeah, he's he's clean. He is the master. <laughs> yeah, he's a clean, and and he and he's one of my favorites, along with you. Uh, I noticed that uh, Seinfeld is yeah. is mostly clean. He's mostly There's clean. A, can we put a pin in this for a second? I want to go back to Nate Bargatze for a second because absolutely he did something that was so incredible. He sold out um, last year Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee, and so happy for him that he did that. But what also it is, it's saying that people love him. People love clean comedy. So that was so nice to see for him. So I'm really uh, kudos to Nate Bargas. He's worked really hard. He's so funny. He does it so effortlessly that it's just, I got to see him. Uh, he was here in Charlotte last year at Ovens on Term. And I went by myself and he, I just laughed from the moment I sat down to the, so good. So it's so happy to see, you know, uh, good guys like that win. Well, so let me ask you this. Who are some of your influences? I, because, and it's hard to be, it's hard, is it hard to have, when you're a pioneer in something, Did when you're the first me? over the wall? Okay. I'm how, not being called that. Is that what you're calling me? I'm going to put that on my business card if you said that. It seems to, like, well, oh, <laughs> you know, growing up, we had clean comedy. We, you know, Cosby was, a, in my opinion, was a clean comic. Yes. You know? And then, uh, and then I remember listening, my cousin comes in, he's got cassette tapes and he's like, okay, as soon as, as soon as they go to bed, I got to show you. And he plays Richard Pryor for me. And, 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 you know, I love clean comedy, but oh my gosh, like the brilliance of the whole thing. And I'm <laughs> One just of my like, favorite jokes is a Richard Pryor joke that I could never repeat, but it's <laughs> one of my favorite jokes. So you're just like, I, you know, so I was like open to this whole, and, and then it kind of progressed from there. You, yeah. You've got, Eddie Murphy and some different and it and it seems like it goes down a direction which is fine and it's hilarious and, and it's has its purpose and it's wonderful in lots of different ways but but it goes so far that way that now the idea of clean comedy to me is original unique um unusual uh it, in, it encouraging inspiring and uh and and to me, it's absolutely a pioneering thing when everybody yeah, else right. is going one direction and you stand up and you go, no, no, no. Even if it costs me something, I'm going in this direction because it's something I believe in and it's yes. because it's something I want to provide for people who are un underserved. Yes. That's as pioneering as something can be, in my opinion. It's interesting. When I first started out, I started out with another comedian. And I remember um, we had gone to a show. I can't even remember who it was at the time. And she was talking to this comedian who worked blue. And she said something along the lines about me. She goes, yeah, see, she works clean and she doesn't want to change who she is. And I said, let me correct you. She will not change who she is. Like, it's not like I'm, this is like a, you know, oh, oh this is better. Okay, I'll go here. I was like, no, this is, this is what, see what you, what you see is what you get. Here's the interesting thing about me. I like to tell people I can take everything in its place. And just because I work clean doesn't mean that all of my comedic influences are clean. You mentioned Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy to me is just, brilliant like i i used to love watching eddie murphy stand up for anyone i mean for out of any everyone he was the guy for me so 
I have a tremendous amount of uh, respect for his comedy career. But as I said, it ranges from Michael Jr., a great Christian comedian who is so funny. Another one who just, he gets on that stage. He does it so effortlessly. The other, another thing I like about someone like a Michael Jr., I'm not animated in my movements on stage. I'm just, you know, telling you jokes like this. You hear people who are animated. So I love when I can watch a comedian, especially a clean comedian, do just go out there, give you their material, just very straight face, and it just delivers every time. So Michael Jr. is kind of on my Mount Rushmore of clean comedians. Brian Regan, another clean comedian who is so funny. I watched him. I got to see him, too. Front row at Belt, which was great. Um, he this was so brilliant on his part. He forgot one of his jokes and he made a 10-minute joke about forgetting a joke. And like <laughs> it was the best thing ever. Um, and then I like people like Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, I can sit down and watch a marathon of Will Ferrell movies all day, and I will be the happiest camper. Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. So it it ranges for me. So I like I have a lot of different comedic influences for a lot of different reasons. Well, so so there's two things that are interesting to me about what you just said. Uh, well, lots of things, but one thing that strikes me is that authenticity becomes a very important component of uh, comedy, which is interesting because in in a, as a, as an attorney, as a trial lawyer, I remember. Um, going to, uh, in the school, I, I went to a, I went to a school and my focus was on trials and trying cases and how to do that, do that. And so I had this professor and we all kind of wanted to be like Perry Mason, you know, uh, a, a man, uh, you know, a big thundering voice, you know, and, and kind of, and I grew up in the church, like when the church was open, we were there, not just like Sunday school, not just church, but like, you know, Wednesday night and Wednesday night Bible study Sundays. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) Vacation Bible school and the whole deal. So, so, so that's kind of, those were the, those pastors were kind of the, the, what I had in my head. Well, this, this, this professor comes in and she's like very, it's a female. She's about my age now, mid fifties, very soft-spoken. And she starts to tell this story completely unrelated to law or anything else. She's telling about, uh, climbing Kilimanjaro just 25 years ago. And I remember it to this day. And, uh, she's very soft-spoken, very deliberate. Um, and she's kind of, you know, and by the, by the end of it, I'm like looking around and every single person in my whole class is leaning forward on the edge of their seat. And her, at the end of it, she kind of wraps it up with, this is not about you imitating somebody that you've seen in a movie or a pulpit or on a, in a courtroom. This is about you finding your voice, who you are and, and being honest, transparent, vulnerable, and open. And, uh, and I thought that was one of the most profound things that I've heard. And so it sounds like to me that you have a similar uh, philosophy when it comes to uh, your craft. That's exactly right. Listen, the best comedians are the ones, in my opinion, who can tell you stories about their lives. I can't replicate that. You know, if you, I can't tell, like I have these experiences in my life that are only funny when I tell them. You can say, oh, you know what? I heard her say this. You can't deliver it in the way that I could. But so that's what I kind of lean on and the authenticity of my life in the moments. And it's funny because I told my pharmacist, I made a joke about him. 
And he goes, is it funny? And I said, yeah, people laugh. And he said, okay, you can keep telling it. So but <laughs> I tell this joke and it's like, I realized that no one could quite tell that joke the way I could. I just came back from the National Speakers Association conference. And, you know, a theme, one of the things that I took away from it is that exactly what you're saying is that we all have our own authentic and unique stories and we shouldn't run away from it. You know, a lot of times you can look at someone and say like, I want to be, you know, like that comedian or that speaker or that lawyer even. It's just like, no, you you just be you and be the best version of you. And people, the, one of the highest compliments I get after a show is when someone comes up to me and says, you know what, I can so relate to what you're saying. That to me means everything. And, uh, you know, when I first started doing comedy, I was talking to everybody like this. I was talking really fast because I was so afraid to be on stage. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to get out of here before they realize I shouldn't be here. That and plus I'm a New Yorker, so we just naturally talk fast. Right. But then as I started getting comfortable, because the other piece of it is you get nervous when people aren't laughing when you first start. But as you start doing it, and to your point about uh, the professor with her story, and you watch people lean in, you're like, it's okay that they're not laughing at every 10 seconds. They're listening to what I have to say. And that's the Engaged. beauty when you see a Nate Bargatze or Dave Chappelle. Chappelle is masterful at that. Storytelling. And to me, that's what I love the most about comedy is the ability to tell stories. And so, you know, I get to give you a glimpse of my life in this set through stories. And I love that. Well, so you bring up J Dave Chappelle. So uh, it, what strikes me about Dave Chappelle, who is... You know, you know, if you think about the brilliant comedians, social commentators mm -hmm. of for generations, it might be Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, uh, Chris Rock, even mm -hmm. Chris Rock, uh, you know, Johnny Carson, uh, Gary Sandlin. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, some of these yeah. guys. Um, uh, but 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 one thing that that strikes me about Dave Chappelle is that he he seems to have changed when he went away and came back. He is much more social commentary and has a different. It seems like he has a. What do you think? That's yeah. my observation. He seems like he has a different message. Can can you change over time? How does that work? What does that look like when? You know, uh, and when you're responding to th different things that happen in, in the world and you want to be able to say those things and maintain your authenticity and, and still be funny. I yes, <laughs> I, I respect anyone who uses their platform um, to speak out about injustice and things that are just not right. And I think after a while, when you see things happen for uh a number of years, you have no choice but to um, kind of speak on it. And so to watch his comedy, I remember when he first started and, you know, watching him and it was more slapstick than anything. And to see what he's become, I think he's one of the most brilliant minds in comedy. And I think he makes no apologies for who he is and no apologies for what he says. And I respect that tremendously. I also think he has gotten to a place from a um, stature standpoint um, where it's not about the money. It's not about the fame. It's just, this is how I feel. 
And this is what I'm going to say. And he finds a way to make it funny. And I think, honestly, at this point, if you buy a, sh a ticket for a Dave Chappelle show or you watch a special, you know what you're going to get. You know that you're not going to go in there and laugh every 10 seconds. And that's OK. So, again, you know, this has become his brand. And that's the thing about comedy, too. No one says it has to be the same thing all the time. So you can evolve. As I said, what I found five years in is that, you know, I became a different comedian than when I first started. I was, when I first started, I was talking really fast. As I went on, I became, talk, I started talking about being a woman of a certain age and letting it come to me, being okay if they're not laughing because I know they're listening and that sort of thing. So I think it's more than okay to evolve and to change and be different. And sometimes this is, life makes you that way. You know, you think about someone um, who's gone through something, you can't be the same. You know, if you 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 start out maybe more on the silly side of things, but you have a life altering experience, say like a, a, a cancer diagnosis or something, it changes you. And I think, how could it not? So, so how do we, let me ask you this. I sort of have always said, uh, or always thought, you know, nothing is really off limits in terms of let's try to laugh about this situation, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then doing what I do, sometimes there's just nothing funny about uh, yeah. child dying, you know, no. there's no, there's no, there's no redeeming comedic value in, in that. It's just, it's just uh, sad and heartbreaking. So how do you find ways to laugh through those types of situations? It's really tricky. I mean, you have to, for sure, pick your moments and to know um, things that you should stay away from. I'll never forget, I did a show with a couple of comedians, and it was right after Kobe Bryant died. And, you know, everyone's devastated, and it was just so tragic what happened. And one of the comedians thought it would be wise to make a Kobe Bryant joke about how he died. And the other comedian and I just looked at each other like, is he serious? Like, I just thought that was the dumbest thing to do. And it wasn't even a funny joke, you know. And so I just couldn't think of what went in his head to make him think that that would be okay. Me personally, I don't find jokes about blasphemy funny. Um, so when I see that, I just, I cringe a little bit, but, you know, as a creator, as a creative, I am not one to, um, kind of chastise people about what they choose to do. It just would not be for me. Like I said, I don't think you find a way to make, uh, sickness and illness funny. I actually was a little put off, honestly, with COVID jokes. Um, because that we people died, you know, people died about this. And so I didn't really find that stuff funny. It wasn't my cup of tea. So for me, I think what works also is that I'm not controversial. I don't do hot button things. I don't talk politics. If I talk religion, it's, you know, it's more lighthearted. For instance, like, you know, as Christians, we're taught to you know, you pray for people and sometimes I forget and I feel, bad, you know, that kind of things, but it's never anything that's very hot button. Um, so I don't have those types of issues. I remember I was working with a comedian once and he did some really strong political jokes, which was very tricky. And he got into a, a back and forth with an audience member 
I was like, this is not going to end well. And so <laughs> me personally, I can't walk that stuff back. So I don't even touch it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, so, so what kinds of things, so, so if you're going through your life and, and you're going through your day with your pharmacist or lady that puts you in traffic or whatever, what are the kinds of things that you observe that you see and, 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 and how do you, how do you come up with your material? It really, again, it's like different things that happen to me and, and I'll, I'll just start thinking, oh my gosh, that's funny. And I'll just start writing things down. And honestly, it literally is just life things. The thing that when I tell a joke about the pharmacist is like um, one day I was getting, I was checking out and get my prescription. And I said, I'm on a first name basis with him. I go so much that we're on a first name basis. And I said, one day I'm checking out. And um, in addition to getting my prescriptions, I have a Kit Kat duo. And he says, you know, that's not any good for you. And I said, well, look at here, Ernest. I feel like you're judging me. Why don't you just go back there and fill my diabetes medication? With <laughs> so, you know, it's, but that, so little stuff like that. So when it happened, and it really did happen. And so when it happened, I just thought to myself, I got to write this up. It was really funny. So just things like that. I just, um, I, and I just write them down. So it literally is life observations that happen to me. Well, that's a, that is funny. I, I'll be laughing yeah. about that all day. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell the next three people. And that's why I told myself, you know, I made, I, so when I first did that joke, I said, I want to joke about you. And he goes, I think, <laughs> and it was funny. I said, it's, it's one of my good ones. And so, and just stuff like that. And then, like, another kind of funny thing that happened is I needed a ladder out of Walmart. I had to change my smoke detector battery. And I was going to uh, Walmart to get a ladder, but the ladder was like $150. But I see a step stool, a two-step step stool, um, and it was only like $28. But also on the step stool, it says weight capacity, 200 pounds. <laughs> so then I, was, I, say, I look at the step stool and look at the curve. So we think that's like a hard 200 or like, you know, sort of. so just like. Really, they overestimate. Or exactly. So, you know, and but I'll tell you an interesting thing about that joke. And that, again, too, really happened. And so. I said, okay, I gotta write that up. So when I first wrote that joke, the way I would tell it is, you know, it's a hard 200. And I said, turns out it wasn't a hard 200, right? Then I said, you know what? I'm gonna flip that. I'm gonna say, what happens if it was a hard 200? So <laughs> then I went to another club and I said, let me reverse it. I said, turns out it was a hard 200. And I got <laughs> back to Walmart, get a construction grade ladder, some ibuprofen, and I just got me another Kit Kat. <laughs> and it worked better when I told it that the ladder gave out on me. I mean, the step stool gave out on me. And so that too is how you kind of work material to say, oh, okay, it works better if I tell it this way and not that way. But yeah, yeah, yeah. everyday life, everyday life. And I tell I tell my family and friends all the time, you get that everything is open to material. So like <laughs> you say something to me, you could be in the routine. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.